Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Hebrews. Today is episode 897, and we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. Let's read our passage. For if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy, based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, The Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is the book of Hebrews. It's a letter or a written sermon to a group of Jewish Christians. They're experiencing persecutions and are tempted to fall away from Christianity back into Judaism. And he's writing to them, trying to get them to understand that Christ is superior to anything they could go back to. Christ is superior to angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the Old Testament priesthood. He is the new high priest and has a new covenant. And through this new covenant, we now have direct access to God. He just gave them the admonition to draw near to God because of that. Hold on to the confession of their faith and consider one another. Now he continues in chapter 10. We pick it up in verse 26. For if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. This is one of those passages that people have been arguing about since it was written, I suspect. But there's a a lot of confusion over this, a lot of disagreement, a lot of theories. So again, we approach these things with a great deal of humility and say, what can we learn from this? So there's... Three aspects of this. One is talking about deliberately continuing to sin and after receiving the truth. And as a result of that, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Well, who's he talking about here? Well, he uses we, and it seems he's talking to believers, so he seems to be talking to Christians here. But what does it mean? Well, There's a lot of different ideas. Some say talking about those who fall away from Christianity, who leave Christianity. And if you do that, you've left the only source of forgiveness. Others talking about continuing to sin as a Christian. If you do that, then there's no chance of continuing forgiveness. I like the explanation of those who say he's using the language of Numbers 15. Because he's been contrasting the two covenants. And he's doing that here in this paragraph. He's contrasting the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And what he's contrasting is those who basically snub the covenant. And in Numbers 15, there was the idea of the sacrifice for the person who sins unintentionally. So in Numbers 15, starting in verse 27, if one person sins unintentionally, he's present a year-old female goat as a sin offering will then make atonement before the Lord on behalf of the person who acts in error, sinning unintentionally. And when he makes atonement for him, he will be forgiven. 
You have the same law for a person who acts in error, whether he's an Israelite or an alien who resides among you. So he's talking about people who sin. This is what they do. Then in verse 30, he says, but the person who acts defiantly, whether native or resident alien, blasphemes the Lord. That person is to be cut off from his people. He will certainly be cut off because he's despised the Lord's word and broken his command. His guilt remains on him. So some translations say sinning with a high hand. This is blatant sinning, basically snubbing the covenant, snubbing the law. And the law says there's nothing you can do about that. That person is to be cut off. And that's a euphemism for executed, the death penalty for them who basically say, I will not follow the law given by God. And so the people of God were to carry out the death penalty. So I like the idea that this is that language, basically. If you're going to snub the new covenant, expect some serious consequences. Verse 27, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Well, something is about the the fire of hell, but you don't use words like eternal here. Normally when talking about hell, they talk about eternal fire. We see language of fire like in Isaiah, Isaiah 33, verse 14 where he says, sinners in Zion are afraid, trembling, seizes the ungodly. Who among us can dwell with a consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with ever-burning flames? This is talking about God's people in Jerusalem and the fire from God punishing the people for their disobedience, basically burning up their town. So is this that same kind of language? You snub God's covenant expect God's judgment. Verse 28, anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. There he's bringing it back to the old covenant. You snubbed the old covenant, you were put to death. It was without mercy. Then verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who's trampled on the son of God? who is regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sacrificed and who has insulted the spirit of grace. So here he's saying it will be more severe for the person who snubs the new covenant and disregards the blood of the son of God and insults the spirit of grace. So we sometimes miss that little phrase there, basically insulting the Holy Spirit who has revealed the truth of the gospel. Then verse 30, for we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Those are two quotations from Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse 35 and verse 36. This is the song of Moses. And what's he talking about here? God repaying people for their wrongdoings and judging his people. That's why I think he is talking about Christians here. He's talking about God judging his people. In verse 31, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We often say, okay, for those who don't come to Christ, it is a terrifying thing to be judged by God. And that is true. But if we maybe step back and say, 
whoa, is that what he's really saying here? Or is he talking about those who are Christians, but trampling on the covenant, saying, I am not going to do what God said, and sending with a high hand, so to speak? Will God not judge them? So we're not talking about a loss of salvation, but we're talking about God's rapid judgment dealing with the problem. One of our first recorded uh, descriptions of the Lord's Supper is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about the problems as they're gathering for the Lord's Supper. And they've turned it into something not a remembrance of the Lord. It's turned into something completely different. And he's chastising them for how they're dealing with the Lord's Supper. And as he talks about how they should do it, he says, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. So a man should examine himself in this way. He should eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. For if we were properly evaluating ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so it may not be condemned with the world. So here he's talking about the people in the church in Corinth. Many of them are sick. Many of them are ill. Many of them have died. And the reason is it's God's judgment on them because they are dealing very carelessly with something that God has said is an important thing to deal with. And so I think it's the same thing here. It's a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God who is judging us, who are allegedly his people, but disregarding, snubbing, so to speak, the new covenant. He said, you snub the old covenant, you are put to death without mercy. It's a bigger deal to be judged by God snubbing the new covenant. Again, we got to step back and approach this with some humility of this is hard to understand, and a lot of very smart people have some very different ideas about this. But I think the fact that he's contrasting the two covenants, what happened under the old covenant versus what happens under the new covenant. It's not an issue of salvation. It's an issue of being judged, basically taking a callous view of the actual covenant laid out by God. Sometimes we're a little cavalier. I know God will forgive me, so I'll go ahead and do this. Or God doesn't really care. God grades on a curve, anything like that. We end up being very careless in our actions and not realize that these are things that really God does care about. And so I think the the warning here, this is the fourth admonition. The first one was back in chapter two, the warning that we don't drift away and and, and then endure God's punishment. Or chapter three, don't harden your hearts and miss out on God's rest. Uh, Chapter six, don't fall away and be actually placed in time out by God. And now chapter 10, lest we sin willfully and actually be consumed by God. So the warning here, I believe, is to Christians. And the admonition is, don't think God's standards don't apply to us or God's not watching. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Hebrews 11.1.